Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. first lesson today comes from Genesis, and we are starting in the second chapter, a few verses, and then picking it up again in chapter 3. Listen now to the Word of God. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in, that, in the day that you eat it, you shall die. And then we pick up in chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other animal that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God say, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened, and they, they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you, ga you had gave to me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. And upon your belly you shall go, and dust shall, you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will strike your head and he and you will he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And to the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pangs in childbearing, in pain you shall bring forth children, and yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to the man he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, 
and have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, and you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And the man named his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made garments of skins for them and for his wife, and he clothed them. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The New Testament lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Let us listen that we may hear what God will say with us to us. From the fourth chapter, after Jesus had been baptized, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus responded, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the, the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that he will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these things I give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The word of the Lord. I didn't stay up and watch the Oscars, all of the Oscars last Sunday night. I don't know if you did or not, but Monday morning, it was all over the news about what had happened. And I've looked at the uh, online to, to see the clip of what had happened. Of course, it was the wrong announcement for the best movie category. The the penultimate award, the award that goes to the largest production and affects the most people, that award announcement was mishandled. It was not done right. The anxiety, of course, was high during the award season, or so it is written by the sources that I have looked at. I'll be honest with you, I did not follow the award season last year, but it's, it's out there. It seems there were two primary contenders, two very different movies. One was La La Land, which is a new musical that had been in the category of Singing in the Rain and those old, great Hollywood musicals. And the other one was Moonlight, which was the story of a young black man growing up in a very rough neighborhood in Miami. Very different stories. The presenters for the award were Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway. They had come back together after many years hiatus from their roles as Bonnie and Clyde. They had the envelope 
They opened it, and the award goes to Beatty fumbled as he looked at it, and finally Faye Dunaway took it from him, and she read the name of the movie on the card, La La Land. There was applause, as there always is when there is that sort of thing, and the producers and the directors and the, the cast all came up on the stage. They were being handed awards, each one of them, for this accomplishment. And the producers began their speech. There were three of them, and the first one, and then the second one, and then the third one, all quick, in quick succession in a matter of just minutes. And there was buzz on the back of the stage. You could see a man with a headset running around and confusion, and it looked like the awards were being taken back. And then in the middle of his speech, Fred Berger, one of the producers, turned around to see what was happening behind him and then quickly turned back around and he said, oh, by the way, we lost. And then he walked off the stage. And everybody goes, what? How did this happen? Is this a joke? Is this really, is this really happening? Yeah, it's really happening. Confusion reigned and then another producer, John Horowitz, stood up and said, Moonlight, you guys won. Come up and get your awards. This is not a joke. Awkward. Really, you know? Really? This is tragedy and comedy. The host, Jimmy Kimmel, tried to make a joke out of it, and he asked Warren Beatty, he said, what did you do? Which, of course, the subtext was, can't you just read a card? And Beatty began to try to explain. I, I was confused. Uh, there was only one name on the, there was a name on the card, Emma Stone, and, and the movie was La La Land, and, 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 and Faye took the card away from me. Oh, by the way, the woman did it. And we stood up there and we announced what was there, and it was crazy. As it turns out, it, there was a mistake. The, 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 representatives from the accounting firm of PricewaterhouseCooper gave them the wrong card to read. And this is on national television. This is the biggest stage, one of the biggest stages of this sort of event. And there was a major, major mistake. And the, the, uh, the attendance for the PricewaterhouseCooper, one of whom was a partner, you would think pretty smart kind of person, had given had gotten distracted and had given the wrong card. PricewaterhouseCooper announced that those two people will never have anything to do with the Oscar presentation again. What we don't know is if PricewaterhouseCooper will ever have anything to do with that presentation again. There was anxiety. There was blame there were consequences. Kind of like the tale in Genesis 3. There is anxiety, there is blame, and there are consequences. The Hebrew stories of creation from Genesis 1 and 2 are ways to explain the beginning of the, of the world. They are not scientific observations, nor are they academic treatises. They are there to evoke and inspire our imagination. They are to invite us into contemplating mystery and interacting with the divine. The dynamics change over time, but 
the dynamic of hiding and running and blaming and refusing to accept our role in so many things, those sorts of things happen all the time. But how do they happen in this world of, of wonder that is around us? Consider when you look out at the world on a starry night with a full moon, are you not standing in awe of the creation that is around us? Or when you go over to Providence Canyon at Lumpkin or the Grand Canyon in Arizona, do you not feel some sense of wonder at the creative majesty, the power of things moving in the earth that leave these testimonies? Or you go to Niagara Falls and you stand there with the mist rushing over you, or even you go down to the river walk and you look at the cataracts that are there at the falls of the Chattahoochee, and we see the power of nature at work. It is inspiring. It is good. God said so, yet things can go wrong. We are entering the season of Lent, and we are preparing to make our way to the Easter celebration, to grasp what happened and has happened on the cross requires us to think a little bit about what's happened in the world. What are the things that are wrong and how am I involved? Throughout church history and, and theology, the events of Genesis 2 and 3 are sometimes referred to as the fall and it's looked to as a way to explain the presence of evil in the world and the presence of, of uh, death and the presence of sex. Um, but all of those things are, are not, sometimes the explanations we draw from them are, are much more um, simple than what is actually there and written on the page. We have read between the lines Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann suggests that there are other places in the Bible that do a better job of describing a dark human condition. And this story really doesn't explain evil completely. And even though there are references to nakedness, it does not speak to sexual relationships, but it speaks to aspects of power and control and autonomy between the sexes. So there's a lot more there than what we may want to say is there. So there are lots of ways to think about this, but today I want us to think about it in terms of what went wrong for them and for us. God made a perfectly wonderful creation. In Genesis 1, at the conclusion of every day, every summary of, of the events, it says God saw that it was good after day one, after day two, after day three, all the way through day six. God saw that it was good. But there is something about the human aspect of that creation that is troubling and challenging for to humanity, God allowed a way of operating in the world. One way to describe it is that there is anxiety at loose in the world. Anxiety is a huge challenge in our society. And there are clinical 
effects of it. And it's very common, anxiety, we, we speak of it. But what does anxiety look like when we talk about it in terms of faith? And I, I'm, not, I, I'm not speaking of it as, as we may have experienced it as a health issue, but speaking of it as a matter of faith. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you of more value than they? Um, in faith, when we speak of anxiety, it's coming down to not trusting God. Walter, again, Brueggemann puts it this way, anxiety comes from doubting God's providence, that is, God's overarching care for the world, from rejecting God's care, from, from seeking to secure our own well-being. Failure to trust God, he, he writes, with our lives is death. doesn't lead to death, but that is death, the death of faith. To turn from this approach, to turn from this anxious situation we're in, is to turn from our self-reliance and enter into a relationship. And that's what the woman and the man were doing. They were relying on themselves, and they were not relying on their connection with God. We turn to a relationship with God, which is a covenant. This was God's desire for humanity, for us to be in connection and relation with Him. But it is not an easy thing to do. When we turn from God to seek our own way, to trust our own wisdom, to build up on our own knowledge, for whatever reason we do that, or because of whoever told us to do it, we blame. We use blame when it is revealed. It is always someone else's fault. When we blame, we do not accept that we have some responsibility, we have some culpability, we have some involvement in the way things are in our lives. And as long as we do that, it is difficult, if not impossible, to experience a full relationship with God. We run, we hide, we blame. It's sin. That is what sin is. So we need to have a relationship with its, which is a mutual commitment and connection. Things will change over time. They always do. But when we are running, when we are hiding, when we are blaming, when we do not accept our place in the world, there are consequences that will flow from that. It may seem that the consequences for the man and the woman were banishment and pain and suffering, and they were there. But I would add there are two things to note. Whenever any one of us has been in a place where we have had things go wrong in our life, a relationship that we trusted goes sour, we are fired by an employer, we are, um, have a fight with a spouse, we, we um, break up with, with a, a significant other, we are in conflict with our children, 
or our business partners or whoever else, whenever those sorts of things happen, for whatever reason they do happen, there is distress, there is anxiety, there is dis-ease, and there is pain. We know that. We live in that world. But I want to lift up something to you. I don't know if you caught it or not. Verse 21 of chapter 3 of Genesis. For the Lord God made garments of skin for the man and his wife and clothed them. After all of this judgment had been rendered, there is this note that God says, I'm not giving up on you. I'm going to give you garments of skin. They had made, the man and the woman, had made in the garden the fig leaves, the, the most rudimentary clothing they had, and God is providing them much more abundant clothing. God sewed it together and made it for them. That image, that if you will allow your imagination to think of that, that image of, of being provided for is God's way of saying, this is for you. When they realized what they had done, the man and the woman had sought to do things for themselves, but that was not what was needed. God provided. In the, account, in the temptation account from Jesus, Jesus faces opportunities to display a lack of trust in God. The devil says, make food, make bread out of these stones, but Jesus says, no, I won't do that. The devil says, tempt God and prove that God really does care for you. And Jesus says, no, I won't do that. And then Satan says, satisfy yourself and fulfill all your needs. Worship me and I'll give you everything that any body could want. And again, Jesus says, no, I won't do that. He used Scripture in re replying. It must have also taken some courage to resist that. But it also, it also required imagination. Jesus had to have some understanding that there is something else out there. It is not simply a refusal. It is a, a refusal... A, to Satan, it is also saying yes to God. And beyond that, there is bounty, there is life, there is goodness, there is grace, there is hope. There is a way of doing ministry that lies just outside of what we see. Following the ways of Jesus to the cross is full of challenges, and it does require our imagination. It takes courage. It is a way for us to seek to trust God, to open ourselves, to trust God. But all too often, all too often, we have been hurt in so many ways that it is hard to trust. It is hard to trust God or other people or even sometimes to trust ourselves. That's hard. There are lots of things that go wrong in the world. But when we find a way to trust, when we find a way to trust God, to trust others and even our own selves, then, then things began to go right. 
Let me leave you with an untraditional illustration. Return with me to last Sunday night's Oscar celebration. It, is, it was not an event where the Christian faith was proclaimed, and, and I'm not pretending in any shape or form that it, that it was, but what is curious to me was the behavior of one of those producers of La La Land who had been mistakenly given the great award, which for some in that industry is the biggest award of their lives, the largest stage. But, but John Horowitz stood on stage. It was awkward. It was scurrying. And, and you could tell that the, the production team, as the Moonlight team was coming up, they were trying to get rid of the, the other people who were standing there. But here is this man who had been given the award by mistake, and he says, I'm going to be really proud to hand this to my friends from Moonlight. He stood there in the midst of all this chaos and this stuff, and he did not hide. He did not blame he did not seek to run away. He simply said, this is yours. This is yours. In that heated moment, dealing with others who were different, others who had defeated you in competition, he stood there and said, this is yours. That action cut through the anxiety. It did away with the blame and accepted the consequences that were there. So that set a new ground level, a new way for things to be accepted. Even when we do not expect it, the Lord God will wrap clothing around us, clothing of grace, and the Lord God will send angels to care for us, just as he did with Jesus in the wilderness. In this Lenten season, let us remember that. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.